then in October of 2017, when Trump was at his lowest approval ratings, Q suddenly appears and begins posting messages and photographs on 4chan that seem to indicate that um, this person has access to the White House. Within weeks, uh, the same group of people who had been so concerned for so many years about secret concentration camps suddenly spun around 180 degrees uh, and decided that, no, uh, martial law is actually a good thing. Welcome to the Independent Riot Podcast, your home for free thinkers, independent believers, and radicals questioning the status quo. Our goal is to provide you entertaining, intelligent discussion around all of life's most pressing questions without hidden agendas or ulterior motives. So if you're too good for the bad, too bad for the good, and sick of people trying to convince you to join their preferred pyramid scheme this week, you've found your home. Now here's your host, Jim Duncan. Welcome back to the Independent Riot, everyone. I am not dead. And I sincerely apologize for the extremely lengthy break the show has been on. And especially to today's guest, Robert Guffey, that gave his valuable time for this interview a very long time ago. I'd like to apologize to him and also to Bill Clabber and Stephen Kinsner, who are uh, the next couple of guests that will be coming up in future episodes that we also recorded months back. And somehow you... Take a little bit of time off, lose a password or two, and suddenly a month turns into a year. So very sorry about that. Today's interview with Professor Guffey is a great one if you've ever been curious about what the politically oriented phenomenon of QAnon is. Since the show was originally created around the concept of proactively fighting political groupthink on the right and the left or any other ideologies for that matter, I think getting Professor Guffey's take on QAnon is a perfect fit for this show. Let me be um, clear that this discussion, even though it's a little critical of the far right, I'm certainly not trying to dunk on MAGA people and or conspiracies overall, and actually quite the opposite, I would describe myself politically is probably leaning a little more to the right than the left on most things. And I certainly think that there is almost always some truth in any conspiracy theories. Um, As well, I believe aggressively questioning the status quo is morally and intellectually far superior than to just lazily believing without question whatever someone in supposed authority tells you. The two upcoming guests that I mentioned, Bill Clabber and Stephen Kinsner, are both going to be excellent examples of where conspiracy theories often turn out to be more fact than fiction, with William Claver's uh, episode being on Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination and the truth behind that, and journalist Stephen Kinsner's going to go into his uh, book about the uh, MK Ultra program by the CIA. And so the issue with QAnon believers, though, to me, is kind of the same issue I have with zealots on the far left, is that 
too many people seem to lose their objective critical thinking and even their publicly stated principles in a desire to find some overtly simplistic answer as to why their chosen political team are the absolute heroes and the other side is the absolute villains. And for what it's worth at the end of the interview, if you want to listen to it, I'll give you a suggestion on what we can maybe all do to avoid falling into those traps going forward. And um, just kind of my opinion and something a trick that I kind of focus on to try and keep my logic um, sound and biased free as much as possible. And um, real quick, before we jump into the interview with Robert Guffey, I did want to mention that we've got a new, uh, more lighthearted and fun podcast that is also going to start to be released soon. That should be a lot of fun. It's called Your Best True Story. And the concept is that you or anyone else in the audience or the world can call in to tell your best true story, whether it's paranormal or uh, uh, uh a thrilling kind of survival story or even um, something conspiracy related, call in, record it, we'll play it on the show, talk about it. And then the cool thing is at the end of the month, the audience will vote on whoever told the best true story and they will win a uh, cash prize. So um, please uh, find your best true story on your favorite podcast player and subscribe to that as the episodes will start rolling out very soon and consider using the links in the show notes to go ahead and submit your own true story and we will most likely get it on the air for you. Now, um, in regards to today's discussion, Robert Guffey is a well-respected author, researcher, professor, and lecturer at California State University, Long Beach, and importantly for us, a historical scholar of conspiracy theories. You might remember his name from episode 19 of this show, where we discussed one of the wildest true stories I've ever heard that happened to Robert's good friend, Damien. And we even referenced that story a couple times in this interview because this interview was uh, also conducted way back then. And um, so feel free to jump back and listen to episode 19 if you want an excellent, crazy, mind-blowing true story and to know what we're referencing in this episode a couple of times. Today's talk with Robert is about... Uh, QAnon and conspiracies in general. As uh, Professor Guffey has previously published a book called Crypto Scatology, which is a fascinating nonfiction explanation of many popular conspiracy theories and how they developed and how many actually have a lot more factual truth behind them than most people believe. But then in regards to QAnon, he's also just published a book a few months ago called Operation Mindfuck, of which Robert presents a much more critical uh, analysis of QAnon and uh, shows how off base a lot of the, the thinking in it has been. And I highly encourage you to check out all of Robert's uh, works in the show notes through the links below um, to Crypto Scatology or his new QAnon book. 
to get his take on things. Um, all in all, I believe if uh, all of us had more courage to question everything, but then simultaneously have the conviction to hold our questions to rigorous logic and the principles we believe in above supporting any person or group, we'd all be a lot better off as a country. So this conversation is a great step in that direction. And so without further ado, here is my discussion with Professor Robert Guffey about his new book on the often disjointed reality and thinking of QAnon called Operation Mindfuck. Enjoy. Your other nonfiction book, uh, Crypto Scatology, which is basically a uh, sort of scholarly investigation of conspiracy theories. Like, and I'd like to get your take on specifically also because of your uh, salon.com uh, articles on QAnon, like your uh, kind of uh, take on QAnon as an example of modern conspiracy theories, but where that goes wrong, but then also like, how do you know what is, is real? And I'm not even sure if I'm if I if I'm framing that question right. But given your history of conspiracy theories and studying them, what do you use to sort of like you know figure out where where to draw the line on what's real versus what's not these days? No, that that that's very clear. Um, I think it's a good question. It's it's a vital question uh, in in the particular environment. That we find ourselves in now, um, uh, particularly when those when those theories, uh, conspiracy theories, begin to affect the real world, you know, and spill yeah. out from the online world. Uh, I would like to make a point about because uh, so I did write a five part article for Salon uh, in in 2020 uh, about QAnon. I then followed it up with an article for the Evergreen Review called Donald Trump's Operation Mindfuck that uh, <laughs> examined it even further uh, and then followed it up with a four-part series, again, for the Evergreen Review last year. It's published during the summer uh, called uh, If You're Into Eating Children's Brains, You've Got a Four-Year Free Ride, a QAnon Bedtime Story. <laughs> um, and in fact, this is all will is all evolving into a book length um, examination of QAnon that will be published by the Evergreen Review in uh, June, June seventh. Oh wow! The oh cool. Publication. Uh, and the book is is called Operation Mindfuck: uh, QAnon and the Cult of Donald Trump. Would, would you mind um, uh, giving a for for the audience for people that are not or have heard the term QAnon? Can you give like a quick synopsis of what that belief system is? Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, the um. Uh, okay. Q first um shows up in October of 2017. By the way, when Donald Trump was had his lowest approval ratings, which I think yeah. is interesting. Um, and I knew a couple of people who were following it 
but I didn't think um, it was worth my time, quite frankly. Uh, so I wasn't giving it that much attention. But I kind of vaguely knew it was happening and growing uh, in influence. I didn't really start looking into it deeply until it was it was March of, of 2020. Uh, it was just after the lockdown. <clears throat> and I was talking to an old friend of mine. He's in his late 50s and lives in the Midwest. And he starts talking about how COVID-19 is going to be a positive development in, in 2020. And what's going to happen when Trump is reelected? And he starts telling me how Trump's going to bring in free energy. Um, he's going <laughs> to abolish the income tax. Uh, right now, as we were speaking, at that moment on the phone, there were military troops cleaning out covert military tunnels, saving these children who had been kidnapped by, quote, the black hats, the bad guys. Yeah. They're dragging them, kidnapping these kids, taking them into these deep underground military bases, dumbs. Um, uh, and torturing them and harvesting them for their adrenochrome. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, um, he sends me these links to these QAnon posts and to the videos. And I immediately detect something that would not be obvious to anyone who hadn't been intimately familiar with conspiracy theories, uh, for the past three decades or so. Uh, and that is that most of the elements that make up uh, the QAnon narrative mythology uh, ha have clearly been pilfered from previous sources, uh, huh. and, and some of them going back to the late 1800s. You know, I mean, I write about some of those sources in Cryptoscatology, which was published in 2012, 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and the, the most fascinating uh, pattern I noticed is that they... Uh, I, and I say they because I, I think there was more than just one person posting as Q. I think it's yep. pretty. You know, I mean, I, I I teach literature and and creative writing, and uh, I'm used to studying individual writer styles. Uh, yep. And I think it's clear that more than one person was posting from from 2017 onward. Uh, and and uh, by it, posting. It, it, on, on by and by posting, you mean that if I've got this uh, correct, there was like a central message board where they would throughout this time period, there would be these cryptic posts from someone only known as Q on the mes message board that would be predicting you know, and giving insights into all these uh, theories of the, the white hats versus the black hats and, and all of that stuff that 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 did always contain a narrative of supporting Trump. Right. It always went back to supporting Trump. That was always the punchline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It all, all roads led back to, we need to reelect Trump. Um, uh, and I mean, that should have been a tip off right there. Yeah. <laughs> like for, for any average person, you know, you know, if, if, if a conspiracy theory had popped up in, 1989 and and the punchline of the conspiracy theory was always we need to reelect bush <clears throat> these same people would have been onto that immediately yeah <laughs> yeah 
that, that's what's mysterious about it uh, and how how easily uh, you could. Um, I see the whole QAnon phenomenon as a sociological experiment. Can we yeah. take a group of people, and get them to flip their ideology completely upside down? And, and we've seen that, yes, you, you can succeed in doing that. And the thing that I found interesting about it is that they would take a conspiracy theory, the original content of which was uh, anti-fascist at its core. So they yep. would take something like uh, one of May Brussels conspiracy theories. May Brussels was the queen of conspiracy theories. She, she was one of the first people to start investigating the JFK assassination in the 60s. Okay. She had her own radio show. Um, uh, she, she indexed the entire Warren commission report because okay. they released the report without it. She personally, in, uh, indexed it. <laughs> wow. So, so they would take something that, that may Brussels had come up with and then they would flip it. So now it was a pro fascist, pro conservative, pro martial law, and ultimately pro Trump, uh, conspiracy theory. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and I'm, I mean, I can go through numerous uh, examples uh, of them doing this. And one of uh, QAnon's primary sources I immediately detected was uh, a book. Well, not exactly a book, <laughs> more of a large pamphlet, a stapled pamphlet called Operation Vampire Killer 2000, uh, <laughs> a, a booklet that was published in the early 1990s. Great title. Yeah. Operation Vampire Killer 2000. It was published by a group called Police Against the New World Order. Uh, this guy, the head of it, was um, Jack McClam, uh, a retired police officer. And he was the head of Police Against the New World Order. And they were, it was a group of ex-law enforcement officers. And these guys were, they were libertarians, but they were not pro-Republican. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. Far from it. Okay. Uh, one of the main purposes of the pamphlet of 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 um, Operation Vampire Killer was to warn people about um, factions in the government using a fake crisis to declare martial law. Uh, and these guys were, they were libertarians who were, they were opposed to militarizing the police. Uh, they were opposed to fascism and they were opposed to the Republican Party. Um, they were not fans of Bush. In fact, that's where, you know, you'd see the, the booklet was illustrated with these almost like S. Clay Wilson, Robert Crumb-esque illustrations of George Bush with like vampire fangs. Oh. Um, and, uh, and, and so within a few years, uh, these libertarians kind of morphed into the militia movement of the yep. mid to late 90s. Um, and so for for de literally decades, uh, these people have been concerned about imminent martial law uh, and uh, about secret concentration camps that are being built for, you know, true Christian patriots. And I mean, this goes way. I heard Linda Thompson, who was an attorney, she did a video called Waco, the Big Lie. And in the early 90s, she was going around all over the country doing lectures, showing this video. She claimed that there were these she had footage of tanks going into the compound david koresh's compound at waco and then uh she said she had video footage of the tank shooting fire out of of a nozzle and starting okay. the fire at waco you know and then and when you would see the footage which, which would last about 30 seconds 
it did indeed look like that. It looked like you could see the tank and then you could see the tank like breathing fire. Uh, uh, and, and you would think, oh my God, you know, this tank, they actually sent in a fire breathing tank <laughs> to, to, to yeah. burn down the, the compound and all the kids in it. Then, then later on, if you see the original footage and you let it go a few more seconds, you see that what looks like fire is actually light sunlight playing off this piece of uh, aluminum that had fallen okay. on the tank for a few seconds it really did look like fire uh, shooting out out of the tank uh but that optical illusion only lasts like a few seconds so linda thompson had to have known you know if you let the thing go a little bit further what it actually is but she inserted that footage into the video and that was like the money shot for her you know she'd show that at every single uh, lecture in the early 90s to show that the ATF had gone in purposely to burn all these men, women, and children. Um, yep. And sh so she, she was like, you know, uh, a right-wing conspiracy theorist. And she, I remember her talking um, about these concentration camps. FEMA was creating these concentration camps, and they were going to use them. They were going to declare martial law, and they were going to put all the Christian patriots into the concentration camps. Yeah. was... This was in like 93. Um, yeah. So then in October of 2017, when Trump was at his lowest approval ratings, Q suddenly appears and begins posting messages and photographs on 4chan that seem to indicate that um, this person has access to the White House. Um, and so within weeks, uh, the same group of people who had been so concerned for so many years about secret concentration camps suddenly spun around 180 degrees uh and decided that no uh martial law is actually a good thing because you <laughs> yeah. told them um it was the damn liberals that will be put into the concentration camps not the right-wing christians uh, so uh, now it's okay yeah, uh, yeah and in fact that was a, a main theme of all the posts and all the q tubers was telling going on the internet and and telling everybody relax put your guns down if you see the tanks rolling through the streets that's okay that's part of the plan yeah uh, trust the plan or something like that trust the plan uh and i i heard i heard people saying that just days before january 6th you know on on, yeah. on rick renee's blessed to teach show which i deconstruct uh, in the four-part Evergreen Review series. The mysterious Gene, this guy, Rick Renee, he's the host of the Blessed to Teach show, this, this Christian okay. patriot who, were, who who's like this IBM tech guy. Uh, um, if you would have this, this guy named Gene on, Gene Decode, the mysterious Gene. Uh, and Gene would come on and talk about his military sources, he knew a guy in the Canadian military who had been in the deep underground military bases. He'd seen the children being harvested for their adrenochrome, but uh, the white hats had gone in and saved the kids. And so this was the evidence. And sometimes he would actually show illustrations, like, like il clearly illustrations, paintings of the deep <laughs> underground military bases that they'd see. And then, and Rick would go, oh my God, that's amazing. There are clearly paintings. <laughs> uh, and, and they would accept that as, as evidence for the, the deep underground military bases. They would accept as evidence a guy who's not telling you his last name, 
<laughs> gene saying, I know that 10,000 kids were saved uh, from this deep then, underground military base. And then, then showing a drawing that he made of it. <laughs> yeah. And then that, and that was the evidence. Um, and, and so it was, and yet Gene would come on. I heard him say on, I think January 4th, maybe it was the third. He said, you know, whatever it's going to happen on January 6th, it's good. It's going to be peaceful. We're going to be peaceful, but there's going to be a lot of bad guys who are going to be talking to the angels on January 6th. Uh, and if you see the tanks rolling down the street outside, don't worry, put your guns away. That has to happen. The martial law has to happen. And so that was, that was the drum that was being beat by all kinds of different people, not just Gene and, and Rick, but all these other Q-tubers uh, who would also, like there's a woman named Kirsten Weldon who claims she had her own intelligence sources who were telling her, you know, please tell everyone, put their guns down, accept the martial law. And and, and I, at first, when I first started, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to ask because, like, I uh, I just sort of I know of uh, I've read about QAnon and know people who have bought into it, but I've never actually read the posts myself. But um, just uh, to clarify, if I'm correct on this, all those Q drops that they call them the the original posts from whoever supposedly was Q, the inside source and in the government, like those have a, they were basically making predictions, right? From everything about sealed indictments of Hillary Clinton being arrested uh, to the military coup. To, and they have pretty much a 0% uh, track record of being correct over like two or three years, don't they? Absolutely, yeah, uh, zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 what was fascinating, particularly. Oh, okay. Before I go into that, l- let me finish what I was saying before, just because I think it's an important point that that these people, Kirsten Weldon, Gene. I first started listening to the QTubers. I, I was thinking, are they just making this up? Because they come out with this really insane stuff. Uh, that didn't seem to be backed up by anything. And and I, yeah. and I realized that the first hour of me, what I was telling you was insane too. <laughs> yeah. I realized yeah. that that's crazy. However, the difference is that I did go out and find reputable sources to back up what was being yep. claimed. So if you hear someone saying something outlandish, you, you don't immediately need to just close your mind and say, oh, that, that can't possibly be. What you need to, need to do is you need to find out if that person has any backup sources, you know, to to yep. to shore up what they're what they're saying. Uh, in the case of Gene and these other uh, QTubers, they would offer no evidence, none whatsoever. Uh, and and at first, I thought they were making the stuff up. Then, as I began to listen to them for months and months at a time, they would talk about these military sources they have who were giving them this information. I began to decide that they weren't making it up, that they really were talking to people who were telling them that they were in the military and maybe they were. <laughs> uh, huh. But just because they were in the military doesn't mean that, that they were telling them the truth. And it's, it yeah. seemed like it's important to point out that the QAnon narrative is not just um, the posts, because I, I, I do believe that there were 
when when these QTubers say they were being contacted by people and being told to then go on their YouTube channel and repeat this information, that they really were being told to do that and that they yeah. absolutely trusted these sources. Uh, so we're talking about a network of people who were not just posting on 4chan, but who were also calling people on the phone, emailing them, messaging wow. them, huh. getting their trust uh, and getting them to go onto their little internet platforms, uh, which were not so little. You know, I, I mean, I, I, before YouTube shut the stuff down, so like Rick had like 92,000 people <laughs> following him, you know, on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. Uh, from, from going from nowhere. From zero, from having no followers, from 2017 to thousands of people hanging on his every word, uh, uh, and 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 so and then they would go on and repeat all the stuff that they've been told to repeat, um, and and so to convince thousands of people to reverse deeply held convictions. I mean, uh, some of these people were the same people concerned about martial law in the early 90s to get yeah. them to reverse these convictions in the matter of weeks because of anonymous posts on 4chan. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, you oh, really yeah. have to kind of tip your hat to it. I mean, maybe the architects of it were surprised at how well it, it worked. Um, I mean, what an incredible sociological experiment that is um and and i'm sure they do they do look at it as a as a behavioral and sociological experiment but so i just i wanted to point out that that QAnon it wasn't just the post i i suspect that there were also it involved people contacting these qtubers and telling them what to say on the air and and they they believed them um yeah and maybe they even offered them some sort of evidence to convince them that they were right i i would have no way of knowing um uh, and then, okay. So what was the, what was the point that you made right after that? Well, um, just, uh, well, uh, one of the thing that, that fascinates me is the fact that, that none of those, uh, predictions came true yet. That is never seemed to, um, to, to affect negatively the belief system. And like, I think that speaks something to just the level of polarization and potentially the 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 media propaganda, maybe on both sides of manipulating people. But it it, it fascinates me that you get and still to this day, I know people that talk about sealed indictments and Trump being reinstated right. as uh, president and it's just like that's so illogical and just not going to happen but um so like well i guess from your um i guess where i'd like to go with it is is given your background with uh uh damien and all of this stuff and knowing the ability of the uh, uh, military industrial complex or whatever is going on to manipulate things. Like, how do you, it's almost like the more I learn about, it, I don't believe in QAnon, but I feel s sorrier and more empathetic for the people that buy into it because how do you determine what is, is real versus not when there's potentially people out there with, uh, 
government clearance of some kind with invisibility suits <laughs> harassing people. <laughs> okay, so you know what's fascinating here is you know why why was it so successful? Uh, and I think one of the reasons is that um, <clears throat> it kind of reminds me of when I was in high school, and I had friends whose parents had told them, you know, if you smoke marijuana, you'll go crazy. Uh, and, uh, so they decided to just try it on their own and then they didn't go crazy. And, yeah. and, and they were like, Oh, if they're lying about marijuana, then I think I'll inject crystal meth, you know, <laughs> or I think yeah. I'll, I'll try heroin or, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, that kind of thing, uh, boomerangs back on the person spreading the disinformation. And so, um, Cory Doctorow, I included this quote in Salon article. Cory Doctorow was a science fiction writer, um, award-winning science fiction writer who created Boing Boing. Um, uh, he wrote in May of 2020 the following. He said, why is it so easy to find people who want to believe in conspiracies? My answer, because so many of the things that have traumatized so many people are conspiracies. The opioid epidemic was a conspiracy between rich families like the Sacklers and regulators who rotate in and out of industry. The 737 crisis was caused by Boeing's conspiracy to cut corners and aviation regulators' conspiracy to allow aerospace to regulate itself. Senators conspired to liquidate their positions ahead of coronavirus lockdown. Well-heeled multinationals conspired to get 94.5% of the small business PPP fund. Big tech conspires to fix wages with illegal collusion, while fast food franchises do the same with non-competes. In a world of constant real conspiracy scandals that destroy lives on the planet, conspiracy theories take on real explanatory power, uh, which I think is a really very good encapsulation of the problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, the term conspiracy theory was originally created by the CIA, uh, and this isn't this, this in itself is not a theory. It can be documented. Uh, the CIA created the term conspiracy theory to debunk people like Mae Russell who were critiquing the Warren Commission report about the Kennedy assassination because they thought that would have a destabilizing effect on America if people actually believed that perhaps Oswald was not the sole assassin of, of JFK. Yeah. And so the people who began investigating the JFK scenario with may brussel uh sherman skolnick um even uh, dick gregory mark lane jim garrison uh all these people they, they had to try to figure out how to debunk them so they came up with this term conspiracy theory the funny thing is and of course that term is is often used in connection to to QAnon. i would argue that QAnon was never a conspiracy theory the term conspiracy theory implies, you know, theory, it implies that some research has been done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it also, any conspiracy theory that we're familiar with before this point, whether it's who killed JFK, Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, 9-11, Oklahoma City bombing, whatever it is, it's an event that we all agree occurred. Uh, uh, we all agree that that the Oklahoma City building was destroyed. We all believe that JFK was assassinated. So the conspiracy theory is an alternative to that scenario that we all agree okay. occurred. With QAnon, which with QAnon begins with Pizzagate. 
something that never happened. <laughs> okay. You know, there's no evidence for it at all. So I think a more appropriate term would be either conspiracy fiction or conspiracy conditioning. But, you know, sometimes you're kind of stuck with the words that you have. So throughout yeah. the book, Operation Line, I do indeed use the phrase conspiracy theory, but it's an important point to make. You know, the word theory does imply that some research has been done. Yeah, I mean, even if you disagree with Jim Garrison's uh, conclusions about the JFK assassination, you can't say he didn't do research. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jim Garrison did hundreds of hours of research to reach this conclusion. Whether or not you agree that the conclusion is correct is is beside the point. You know, he actually did perform research to try to reach this conclusion. Um, there's there's no research that's done by the QAnon people. You will ask for, for evidence. They'll give you the Q, they'll send you a link to the Q post, yeah. uh, you know, or, or they'll send you a link to someone else that's quoting someone who's quoting Q. And, and uh, one thing I've noticed also is a tendency when you try to talk to people about it rationally that believe it, they will put the onus on you to disprove their story. And it's, which is sort oh, yeah. is completely backwards. Yes, they'll say, "How do you know it's not true?" Yeah, <laughs> no, which is completely <laughs> illogical. Um, and the what you were saying about the predictions, what what was and I, I covered this aspect of it in the Evergreen Review series, the four part series. Watching Rick Rene, uh, who is a devout far right-wing christian um and on a side note it's important to point i think one of the successes of QAnon is that the mythology was specifically constructed to appeal to people beyond the christian base so you okay. have the, the christian the christian base that 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 propelled george bush into office or george w bush um it's as if someone decided, well, we can't limit ourselves to just that. And so the whole QAnon mythology it appeals to Christians, but it also appeals to like fans of the paranormal, uh, fans of conspiracy theories, accelerationists, um, uh, former Democrats. I know former Democrats who went straight down the QAnon hole. Yeah. Um, uh, you could even be an atheist and think, well, there aren't any actual demons, but you know, there could be these crazy occultists who think that there are demons and they're sacrificing the kids to these non-existent beings, <laughs> you know? Yep. So you could even be an atheist and like be into, into QAnon. Um, so it's like, it's like this big tent. Uh, it's this big tent conspiracy theory. But there are, the, the, the core of it is this far right-wing Christian um, um, center. Uh, and what was fascinating which, which, about watching which also fascinates me because uh like I, I mean i don't consider myself a hardcore christian by any means but i do sort of uh ascribe to uh, loosely you know to that being my spiritual identity i guess and i have never gotten the people to think that trump like why is trump the uh, the 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 chosen one to represent the the christian uh, uh christian right 
that's uh has always amused me of like how he fits in as being the the messiah basically well right and of course it's important to point out i'm not saying all christians are like this right you know i yeah I'm yep sure specifically critiquing the far right you know a friend yep extremist um and and what's fascinating about QAnon was the success at radicalizing christians who are otherwise pretty mainstream people uh like this guy rick renee by his own admission was just this normal guy tech guy living in texas raising his family uh QAnon comes along he starts this his youtube empire and to the point where just a few months ago i was watching the show and he's talking about you know quote we need to blow up the fbi <laughs> oh jesus you know and as far as i know he's not been investigated I yeah. you know, unless he's not telling but I, I find that interesting um uh and and uh how do you get someone who's just going to soccer practice with his kids and he's being a Christian and, 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 and maybe he's doing like some little internet show about, about Christianity and then, and then to get that guy to radicalize him to the point where he wants to destroy the FBI. That's, that's some serious stuff there. That's some serious mind. Game oh yeah. Going yeah. On there. And so, uh, the, 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 but there is a, uh, I think, a straight line, even though it is QAnon is this big tent. There is a straight line that you could draw from from QAnon to the the late 80s um, pre-millennial rapture. Uh, oh, right, right. Yep. Christian that came out of like uh, Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth. Um, yeah who would also make their own predictions about the coming end time. Uh, and I, it occurred to me that QAnon is like a reverse rapture scenario because in the rapture, oh, wow. that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, in, in the rapture, all the chosen ones are lifted up off the earth and taken to heaven. And all the sinners are left to rot on earth in QAnon scenario. When the great awakening occurs, what happens is the true believers are allowed to stay here and the sinners, the Democrats and the liberals are dragged down into quote hell into the yep. dungeons of the yep. underground military bases into Guantanamo. Yeah. And there they're like tortured endlessly uh, by, I guess the white hats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've already touched on this, but um as far as the the difference between traditional conspiracy theories where there's an event that's happened and the conspiracy theory would be alternative ways of looking at that versus QAnon being a, uh, you know, just uh, complete fabrication, basically. Um, what are, are are there any parameters or anything that you use as a guidepost, even looking into alternative theories about events that have happened, like like uh, uh, JFK or uh, Robert Kennedy's assassination? Like, how do you how does the average person, the normal person out there, start to figure out uh, how to process mentally what's what's real versus not? when there's so much they can't trust in the, in the, the regular media that they hear. 
Well, uh, you know, um, it's interesting. I was back in 1999. I was I attended a, um, a, a UFO conference called Contact in the Desert. It was in Mesquite, oh, Nevada. Yeah. Uh, and, and there were various uh, luminaries there. Jordan Maxwell. Uh, one, of, one of the sources I cite as being one of the guys that QAnon pilfers from. Um, uh, Jordan Maxwell and various other people were at this conference. And I, I met a woman there, a young woman who was just about to start uh, hosting her own late night radio show uh, on a Pacifica station out here in LA. And she was really interested in conspiracy theories and art bell and, and all that. So she kind of wanted to do um, kind of art bell, but like a more extreme version, like do the stuff art bell wouldn't do, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and she asked me, since she was about to start the show soon after this, she said, do you have any advice about um, how do I avoid putting on disinformation? And I said, well, that, you know, first of all, I was impressed that she was even asking the question or thinking about that, you know, yeah. rather yeah. than just thinking, what's the most interesting thing I could have on the air, you know, uh, what's going to attract people's attention. She was actually conscious of, well, I want to avoid putting on disinformation. How do I avoid that? And I, I gave her a, a pretty simple answer, which was, so if you have someone on uh, or someone's promoting a conspiracy theory and the ultimate feeling it leaves you with is one of fear, uh, then maybe that's disinformation. Hmm. Uh, and whenever I do an interview, and I, even when I, I realize that there's kind of, you know, scary, eerie aspects to the Camellio story <laughs> or depressing yeah, yeah. aspects to it. Uh, whenever I do an interview about it, I usually try to add one proactive statement or something that someone can do. For example, I usually, I recommend there, there's a site called uh, fightgangstalking.com that was started by this guy. And there's a lot of like gang stalking sites and some of them are, I think, disinformation and, and or some are, are crazy and but there's this one called fightgangstalking.com and if you go there and you go to the upper um left hand corner of the screen it says um tactics on fighting back and so if people are in the same situation damien uh was and is in uh you know they could go there and look at it and it just it gives you multiple uh things that you could do to to fight back on a kind of mundane simple level like things that don't require yeah. a lot of money uh, huh. uh, and and so I'll, I'll mention something like that, some like ray of hope <laughs> so yeah. that I don't end the interview on like just we're spiraling down into the pit of darkness. Um, uh, and and I find that a lot of the people who will go on coast to coast or or these shows and if if the if the end of the interview and you end it just thinking i just want to like pull the blankets over my head and die yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that's probably disinformation um what i mean i, I had it, i had a... oh go yeah, ahead go on well I, I i was going to well i, I definitely want you to finish your your thought but then i did have i just realized in my notes another couple of questions to ask you before the end if that's okay yeah that's fine well before we get to that let me just say briefly i got a message from some guy calling himself the thin man uh which i don't oh, wow. i don't trust people 
who named themselves after detective novels from the 1930s. So Dashiell Hammett yeah. is a great writer. Um, uh, but uh, the guy, uh, the, the guy writes me a message just after um, I published the Evergreen Review series, the four-part series. And he, he sent it to through my website, uh, Cryptoscatology. Uh, and the message says, for the dude who wrote Cryptoscatology, which is a formidable, formidable work of philosophy, in my opinion, representing a sea change in the taxonomies of emergent artistic form, the PTSD of the Trump administration sure seems to have driven you into the arms of DNC groupthink conformity. QAnon's acolytes oh. are victims of state abuse. Their good intentions weaponized against them, and they should be pitied for their gullibility and lack of media sophistication. The belief that they represent our national demons or, God forbid, a domestic terror threat is a divisive tool that distracts from the actual powers that threaten the Bill of Rights, among many other things. Godspeed, and let's get back on track, man. Shit is not normal, and humanity needs your restored discerning eye. Come on, man. Why don't you admit comments to be posted? You might actually encourage more traffic and maybe even book sales. I don't get it except to assume the UC administration must keep a close eye on your blog these days. F the Leviathan. I'm the furthest possible thing from a Trump supporter, RNC supporter, or Second Amendment nut, or anything of the sort. But if the Day of Epiphany January 6th clown show constitutes a veritable attempt at insurrection, you clearly haven't seen the compilation video of Ashley Babbitt's, quote, murder, unquote. This is clearly a charade staged by law enforcement actors. So, well, first of all, I don't know why he says that the UC administration is probably monitoring my blog. I, I don't. I have absolutely no connection to the UC administration, so I don't know why I would care about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 but but anyway, he sent a link to this video that this person had done of uh, compiling all this footage from January sixth that attempts to prove that Ashley Babbitt wasn't actually murdered. She's not. Dead. I I it was all I, I saw. That I uh, did. Sorry to interrupt. But I was just going to mention that my um, actually a guy that he, well, he's a friend of mine, but he's uh, the co-host of this show. Occasionally, he showed me a video of that same thing. And I was in and, and go, yeah, go like I, it's just fascinating. to. I mean, she looks like she got shot to me. But what is well, that, what is the story so, so behind it? There's a kind of snarky narrator. Who, who is telling you what is happening in, in the videos. Now, I suggest that if someone sends you a video like this, first thing to do is turn the sound down. Watch the video without the narration, without the sound. Okay. Then go back and watch it again with the narration. <laughs> uh, um, because the narrator is telling you what to think. And there's one point where in one scene, there's no blood on her face. And then a few seconds later, there's blood. And he goes, where did the blood come from? Obviously, it's a Hollywood squib. Uh, and, and I thought, oh, well, I think the blood came from inside her freaking head is where the yeah. blood came from. <laughs> you know? Then there's one point where you see a guy who says, oh, you know, I saw her get shot in the stomach. And then outside, he's clearly, you know, traumatized. And the guy says, yeah, yeah, she got she got shot in the neck or, you know, and then the narrator goes, see, the story's changing. Uh, first he says she was shot in the stomach and then outside he says she was shot in the neck. It doesn't occur to him. Oh yeah. This guy just saw this woman blown away right in front of his eyes may not be too like hyper-focused on particular parts of the anatomy. You know, he's talking very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> he might've meant to say stomach and neck, you know, I mean, it's all these things that are really sort of mundane mistakes that they blow up to make the obvious into 
a murder mystery, you know, uh, an intriguing mystery enigma. Uh, when if you just watch it with the narration off, you go, oh, well, yeah, she got shot and then then she started bleeding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, what? it's really important to mention this. The, the, the slogan of QAnon is where we go one, we go all. The next day yeah. or two days after Ashley Babbitt gets killed, uh, Rick Renee goes on the air on his show and says, and then not just him, but a bunch of other QAnon people. Oh, well, A, either she didn't exist. B, she's not really dead. Uh, C, she's actually an Antifa, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, member, and she's pretending to be a QAnon member. So in other words, dis- despite the slogan being one, we, where we go one, we go all, if you actually do sacrifice your life for the movement, all of your friends and the people you follow and the other YouTubers <laughs> you listen to will immediately throw you under the bus, say that either you didn't die or, or that you're a traitor and you're actually a member of Antifa and completely deny your existence. Yeah. <laughs> so that should tell you a little something about the loyalty of the QAnon people. What? So the thing that I wanted to ask before we end is, uh, all right, so yeah, yeah. To me, the ninety nine percent of the QAnon stuff is pretty much horseshit from anything that I can can uh, uh, hear about or figure out. However, then I wanted to ask you, what are the implications uh, as far as you think with your uh, vast knowledge of historical conspiracies? with the Jeff Jeffrey Epstein thing, as in, was he, and I know this is uh, opening up a whole can of worms, so we don't have to go too far down if you haven't got the time to do it, but there seems to be something potentially more there as far as him uh, tied into intelligence organizations and just the people that he palled around with seems very suspicious. Am I going down uh, off in the wrong way thinking about that? Or do you think there is any potential uh, substance to a bigger thing going on with the Jeffrey Epstein scenario? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that, uh, I mean, one can use common sense here that, that Jeffrey Epstein was probably working for some sort of foreign intelligence agency. And his job was to blackmail very powerful people and get them yep. uh, to do exactly what they want th- uh, them to do. And so uh, who are those people? Well, they're listed in, in his black book, aren't they? Uh, and that yep. includes, and, and who are, who are, who are the people in his black book? Well, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton are there, but so is Donald Trump on page 85. Yep. Uh, uh, and, um, and, and Prince Andrew and all these other people who are people you would want under your thumb, if you could get them under your thumb. Uh, and, uh, the fact that QAnon appears in October of 2017, uh, not long, I, I, I think someone knew the Jeffrey Epstein story was about to explode. And so hmm. someone okay. decided we need to distract from that. And Donald Trump's name is going to come connected to this. So we need to do something before that happens. So QAnon comes out and it totally distracts from the fact that Donald Trump's name is... <laughs> It's in Epstein's book. And so now they've created this mythology where if they release footage of Donald Trump, you know, uh, video footage that Epstein took of Trump in bed with uh, an eight-year-old girl, 
the QAnon people would say, oh, well, he had to do that uh, because he was infiltrating the Epstein uh, situation there uh, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. fake news. You know, they put a fake uh, you know, digital image of Trump's face on someone else's body. It, it, you know, uh, so I, w- one of the reasons I wrote the salon pieces was because, uh, and, and I noticed someone commented on this when the early articles appeared in salon, uh, back in August of 2020, uh, someone, some pro QAnon guy, uh, goes, well, at least he acknowledges that Epstein probably didn't commit suicide. Um, you know, I, I, I quoted from, uh, I think it was the New York Times who interviewed a guy who had actually been on that same cell block and said, no way, no way did, did, can you commit suicide in that cell block? What is it? Two guards went to sleep and the, and the, and the camera yeah. stopped working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a certain level of, okay, how many coincidences c- can occur at one time? Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, so, so the, the, the bro QAnon guy, one guy was uh, critiquing my articles and another guy chimed in and said, well, at least he acknowledges this. I was hoping that people who are maybe not quite haven't gone all the way down the rabbit hole yet, but they're interested in QAnon would read my articles and see, oh, he actually does know what he's talking about. Because I'd seen a lot of articles for the Atlantic for the New Yorker that came up right after the lockdown. Cause I think that those reporters probably had the same experience I had. They're on the phone talking to either relatives, people I haven't talked to in a long time, right after the lockdown, suddenly they're getting all these weird words, white hat, black hat, adrenochrome, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And they start writing these panic articles about it, trying to wrap their head around it, but they can't quite, they don't know what they're talking about. They're perfectly equipped to write about other things, but about this, they were not equipped to write about it. And and so the people who are into QAnon read those articles and go, oh, they got that wrong. They don't know what they're talking about, and they dismiss it. So I thought maybe if I wrote it, they would see that I actually do know what I'm talking about. I do know the sources of all this stuff, and maybe would stop and, and think twice uh, before just accepting whatever they were being told. And who knows? I, I mean, you know, maybe I, I if I prevented one person from going to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, it would all have been worth it. But maybe that's too naive or optimistic to think that uh, a series of articles <laughs> could prevent someone from from doing that. Um, but I just felt it was sort of my responsibility to at least try to do that because I'd written an article in in. Um, it appears as a chapter in cryptoscatology, which it's called Jesus is a robot from outer space, uh, yep. which is a phrase that I used on the first day of class one semester. And I got into trouble because um, uh, someone in the class took it's very difficult to explain the context under which I said that sentence, but <laughs> it's in cryptoscatology. Uh, but they, they took great offense at it, took it literally uh, and complained. And 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 then there's a related article in there called George. George W. Bush is not a Christian. And so I, I talk about there was this Christian writer who wrote a whole book about that very concept. And, and that despite the fact that George W. Bush, you know, pr- says uh, he's a Christian, his policies did not reflect that. And yeah. I made a comment in that chapter and I said, you know, these are the exact people who need to be saying this. Only a Christian would have the authority to come out and say, hey, I'm calling this guy out. You know, this guy's a hypocrite. Whereas someone else maybe wouldn't have the authority to do that, the believability to say that. 
And yeah. so when I started really going deep dive into the QAnon stuff, I thought, you know, the only other person who has the authority to call this stuff out is someone who's also familiar with conspiracy theories. <laughs> you know, so I thought I yeah. could take my own advice. Uh, and I should be the one to at least try to deconstruct this and explain this to other people. And I know that when the Salon articles first appeared, there were, you can read the comments if, if they're still there. Uh, there are comments from people who, you know, Salon readers who are like, why are you talking about this? You're just bringing attention to a bunch of, you know, people living in their basement. Uh, this is not going to have effect on the real world. <laughs> and I already yeah, knew that yep. it was heading for sort of explosive. Uh, exclamation point and I some firework display and I didn't know if it was going to be January 20th or the 6th or what but I knew it was going to um, spiral downward and something really bloody was going to happen and it really it was only a series of odd synchronicities that prevented January 6th from being a bloody coup uh, yeah. and I do want to make the point that I think it's obvious that January 6th was, was the intent of QAnon from the beginning. If it looks like Donald Trump's not going to win, let's activate plan B or plan Q. And the MAGA people and the QAnon people were, were just cover for the proud boys and the oath keepers to go in and with their, with their camo fatigues, their video cameras mounted on their chest, uh, the zip ties and the handcuffs, they were going to go in, truss up Pelosi, uh, truss up Pence, and either they were going to hold them hostage until they got what they wanted, or they were going to just start doing executions live stream. Uh, okay. you know, something Al Qaeda would do, even though they claim <laughs> these people claim that they, you know, they hate Al Qaeda when they're using the same exact uh, methodology. Um, and you should really check out uh, the listeners should go check out a podcast called the farm, the farm podcast guy. Named okay. Steve. I've heard of that. Yep. Okay, there's a guy named Steven Snyder who hosts that. He did this great interview with a guy named James Scaminacci, uh, who has a you know, military intelligence background. And he said, you know, I, I was looking at the video and immediately on um, January 6th, and he immediately came to the conclusion that the MAGA people were, were the uh, unknowing cover for the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers to, to hmm. do this coup d'etat. And I don't have a military intelligence background, you know, but I watching it, it seemed obvious to me that that's what was happening. And so he gave a really interesting interview. I think it was like in May of last year on the farm. So listeners may want to go and, and, and check that out. James Scaminacci. OK, interesting. Wow. This has been a tremendous amount of uh information you've given so covering and uh i i really appreciate this uh taking the time to to uh go into all of it and i would really like to have you back on the show um once that book comes out on q and in the summer that would be fantastic if you want to come back on um so consider oh, that in, uh, yeah consider that invitation out there so Sure. We, we, we barely scratched the surface. There's more we could talk about. <laughs> well, I would, I would definitely like to uh, talk to you more at some t time also about uh, historical conspiracies and getting your take on some of those like JFK and, and Bobby Kennedy and things like that, if you've got the time. So, um, but yeah, we should sure. probably wrap up and um, uh, don't want to take up too much of your time, but I would encourage 
anyone and everyone to um, check out your uh, book, Crypto Scatology, that is basically a history of conspiracy theories from a sort of a, a analytical uh, viewpoint. Um, then Camilio is the the story uh, you uh, told us at the beginning um, about your friend Damien and just all that the crazy true things that happened to him. And then also the salon.com articles that we touched on. If anybody is looking for a pretty succinct explanation of what QAnon is without uh, wanting to go down the QAnon rabbit hole to find out, your uh, salon.com articles are probably the best summary I've seen. So um, everybody should probably check those out as well. And is there anything else you'd like to uh, tell people about? Uh, Yeah. uh, um, Last year uh, in April, I came out with two new books in the same week. Uh, One's called uh, Bela Lugosi's Dead, uh, which is uh, a novel. Uh, okay. and also <clears throat> Widow of the Amputation and Other Weird Crimes from Eraserhead Press, which is a collection of four novellas that all take place in various areas of Southern California, and they actually do touch on some uh, conspiratorial themes. Um, the title story, Widow of the Amputation, is all about Charles Manson fussing out of prison and uh, uh, breaking uh, the frozen head of Mary Magdalene out of a refrigerator in the Union Bank building in Torrance, and then going <laughs> on a road trip to get that out. So uh, that one is uh, is of considerable interest to uh, to conspiratologists, I think. Yeah, that's uh, well, that that that's probably the best uh, elevator pitch I've heard for a story in a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> And so there it is, everybody, an incredibly delayed release of an interview with Professor Robert Guffey, second interview, and which has been so delayed, in fact, that his book, Operation Mindfuck, is actually already released. So please consider to go pick up it and any of Robert's other books. And um, in regards to January 6th that was um, mentioned a couple of times in that interview, I'd encourage you to go check out episode 17 of The Independent Riot, where me and co-host FCAT get into a little bit um, deeper of a discussion about it. I've got a lot of mixed uh, opinions about January 6th, because on the one hand, I think that people should be legally held accountable for their actions if they were breaking the law that day. But at the same time, I definitely see how the left is using it to inflate it into a bigger threat to the national security and country than it probably was in order to instill fear and create that belief that if you don't side with them, the country is going to be overrun by extreme right radicals, which I don't believe at all. And I would even wonder, uh, or sort of, I would like to see more evidence of how much actually the FBI was involved in helping to coordinate or orchestrate the people that participated in January 6th. Robert Guffey mentions that a lot of the people involved in QAnon were actually not only paying attention to the QAnon posts, but then were contacted by mysterious individuals that gave them additional information and encouraged them on. 
that could be people on the far right, but that could also be people uh, working for the FBI or parts of the government trying to set those individuals, radicalized individuals up and encourage them to act that way on January 6th. So, But the only question that really matters going forward is what can we all do individually to help improve things? I think that primarily uh, centers around you and I as individuals not being hypocrites. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, Well, personally, I think hypocrisy is the true root of all evil. And if you think about it, hypocrisy is actually the inverse of the golden rule in most religions, which the golden rule that is prominent uh, reappears again and again in most religions around the world is do unto others as you'd have done to you. And hypocrisy is basically the opposite of that, of have special rules for you and worse rules for other people. And the way that I look at it is this country has gotten to a point where neither one of the two main political factions could exist at this point without loads of hypocrisy. So if you look at the right, like the quote that I put in from Robert at the very beginning of the show before the intro where he's talking about um, some, uh, you know, prior libertarian free will, small government, uh, liberty type thinking individuals actually supporting martial law suddenly when Donald Trump is in office, that's pure hypocrisy. Um, the same can be said on the left with people that claim to be in support of abortion rights for a woman's bodily autonomy, but then at the same time can somehow support forced vaccines on people. Um, if you do that, you're a hypocrite. It's just your logic is not consistent across different contexts and you're not justifying why it's different in any like factual or relevant way. You are just basically changing the rules to suit your particular situation or uh, feelings at that time. And that's at the core of everything going wrong, I believe. So that would be my, for what it's worth, my two cents on my tip for what each and all of us can do to try to repair things is not rally harder behind a political party or candidate, but rally around the idea of not being a hypocrite, of knowing what your principles are, and then actually getting radically disloyal to any political person, any political party, any group or label that violates your principles. Uh, Call them out. Call your own team out on it. Um, Fire them. Um, Be radically supportive of your principles and to logical, rational, objective thinking not to some uh, cult of personality or a political party. Hopefully that all makes sense. And that's where I'll leave the political discussion and instead now switch tracks real quick 
to the Your Best True Story podcast, new podcast that is going to be coming out shortly that I would strongly, highly encourage you to subscribe to and also consider uh, submitting a true story to us to be played on the episodes. Um, this is going to be more of a kind of fun, um, non-political uh, podcast that will deal with creepy true ghost stories or hilarious drunk stories or any kind of survival story, anything that you think is interesting and a good story. I encourage you to submit it into us and we'll play it on the air. And then you could even win money at the end of each month if the audience likes your story the best. So check out the Your Best True Story podcast. And um, you can also go to yourbesttruestory.com to learn more about the uh, submission tips and stuff like that and find all the relevant links. Also, Please subscribe to um, this podcast if you haven't already, because we've got those two excellent interviews coming up that I mentioned, one with Bill Clabber about the truth behind the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination, which is utterly fascinating and mind-blowing, and then um, renowned journalist Stephen Kinsner's book, The Poisoner-in-Chief. Um, we've also got an interview with him on that, where he goes into Sidney Got- <coughs> Gottlieb and the uh, history of MK Ultra and the CIA, which is equally fascinating. And if you listen to those, then you might understand why I'm curious uh, to know more about how much the FBI <laughs> was involved in helping to encourage January 6th. So um, that's everything. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, please give us a five-star review if you get a chance. If not, no worries. And follow, subscribe to the Your Best True Story podcast if you get a chance. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Independent Riot Podcast, your home for free thinkers, independent believers, and radicals questioning the status quo. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please do us a huge favor and leave a quick positive review on whatever platform you're using. It's free to you and super easy to leave us a good ranking and really help spread the word about the podcast to other independent thinking folks. Thanks for listening, and please go ahead and subscribe so we can be sure to see you next time.